When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome in to Vikings Ventline. Part of the Purple Daily Podcast umbrella, Score North. It's Mackie, it's Judd, it's Declan producing. And the Vikings have just defeated the Chicago Bears 19-13 to in one of the most beautiful football games we've seen all season. Kirk Cousins gets his first Monday night victory. And we'll get to all of those things live on Purple Daily YouTube. YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. As we wait for people to jump in the room here, uh, a couple reminders. If you want to be part of the show, you can send an email to vikingsventline at gmail.com. That's vikingsventline at gmail.com. A quick shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners in the Twin Cities for over 100 years. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, founded in 1904 uh, during this terrible pandemic year for business owners. They've been standing by people's sides. Uh, with trusted resources. You can find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's always our business to protect yours. Declan Goff, let's get to the Corona Hard Seltzer cheers of the night. Right. Gentlemen, we have a new Monday Night Messiah. His name is Kirk Cousins. Sorry, Seth Rollins. You can step aside. Kirk Cousins showing the emotion at the end of that fourth quarter, and we can finally put the narrative and the reality to bed. Uh, cheers, a Corona hard seltzer, Dex. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Seth Rollins. Move along. Kirk Cousins <laughs> is, in, is, in, is in the game now. Good for Kirk. I'm, I'm happy for him, all right? The Money Messiah also left, so he's, he's gone from wrestling for the next four to six weeks. The new one, Kirk Cousins, gets his win in Chicago, so I'm jacked. Uh, Corona hard seltzer, spike sparkling water, four fruit flavors, and Declan is enjoying one of them right now. A victory seltzer here mm-hmm. on Purple Daily. So we'll get to Vikings fans. Judd, your quick takeaways from the third consecutive division win. The Vikings are absolutely in the mix for a playoff spot now. Where do I start? So there, there, there's a chance now that they could actually win – their next three at home, starting with Dallas on Sunday night, and improve their record when this is all said and done. That three-game home stretch to seven and five for a team that was one and five. Um, I'll start with I'll, I'll start with uh, two thoughts. One is I'm not going to focus on how anemic and how bad and awful the Bears' defense is or offenses. What I'm going to do is instead focus on the fact that the head coach of the Vikings basically had what was a great game plan uh, to combat the Bears anemic offense and the Viking he called a great game again he did a great job and Nick Foles and the boys could do nothing but that is also a credit to 
Harrison Smith and that crew. Um, offensively, you know what? I like the fact that they didn't go away from Dalvin, but they did lean on Kirk some, and Kirk had a really good game, and good for Kirk. Like this was, if if you had come to me with the statistics of all of the key players in this game, I think I would have said, that's good. Kirk played well. Jefferson is a star and was used accordingly, right? And uh, Cook had 96 yards on 30 carries, which was, for him, not a great average. But I think the most important thing when it comes to Cook was the perception correctly that he was going to get the ball throughout the course of this game. And you didn't panic and go, oh, my God, we're going to have to pass, pass, pass. You mixed in passes and did a very good job there. But I like the fact that they didn't go away from Cook because I think the threat of Cook needs to be continual for this offense to be successful. And again, I'll say it slowly for those who are upset and tweeting me right now. Kirk Cousins had a really nice game. Good job by Kirk, okay? He did, period. And by the way, that interception was not his fault. That was a, a rare yeah. Adam Thielen miscue. Yeah. This was, we're going to get into all the different things off this game, but this this it started to look like it was going to shape up like all of the other Vikings Bears games at Soldier Field. Uh, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus threw this number out before the game started. The Vikings are three and going into this game, the Vikings were three and sixteen in Chicago since two thousand one, with all three of those wins coming by exactly three points. This is the first time the Vikings have won a game wow. at Soldier Field by more than three points in at least twenty years. And it looked like in, in basically all of those losses, it's like something weird happens, like a kick return touchdown or, you know, just fluke defensive plays. And you saw Kyle Rudolph's second career fumble, which is amazing in the first quarter. You saw Adam Thielen bobbling a ball into Khalil Mack's hands. You saw the kick return touchdown, of course, by Cordell Patterson. You're thinking the Vikings have a 250 yard advantage in this game in the fourth quarter. And of course, the Bears are going to like stumble their way into the end zone because of the missed point after touchdown and we can talk about special teams but the Vikings pick up a win we've now gone in one month from tanking for Trevor discussion to can the Vikings roll off six consecutive wins going into the Tampa game three straight home games so Dex we've got looks like we have a packed house right now yeah. of Vikings fans so uh let's bring somebody into the room let's start, let's with, start uh, with uh Mark Mark, Mark what's going Mark, on what's going on hey what's going on fellas how y'all doing tonight hey Mark hey Mark Good, good, man. That was a good team win. I ain't going to lie. I was waiting for him to blow it. You know, I was waiting on the Kirk Cousins, you know, blow it moment, but didn't happen. Them called a heck of a game. Justin Jefferson, dude. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Anytime he touched the ball, I'm looking for him to score. But uh, just a um, couple quick points. I mean, the one person I feel like who had an underrated game was Brian O'Neill because he kept Khalil Mack in check all night long. Like, only time you've seen Khalil Mack was the interception and maybe a couple tackles for loss. But when it came to pass protection, Brian O'Neill did his thing. Like he just kept him completely out of the game. And then uh, I like how they kept Dalvin, like you said, kept him just as a threat. Like you can't just sit here and ping your ears back and go get hurt. So that was a plus. And then before I get over here, just the I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw Kirk under the bus tonight because he did do good. But uh, Still not sold on him, but I think the one thing I always thought about here lately over the last couple of weeks is back in 2016, I know we traded for Sam Bradford, which is what – I mean, I get it. Teddy was hurt and whatnot, but you traded a first. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like you should have did that. It kind of hurt us in a way. Like, when you look – hindsight is like, ah, you don't know. But 
when you traded that first, you could actually get you your Deshaun Watson, your Patrick Mahomes, because you got that first round pick. That's just something I always thought about, though. But other than that, great team win. Mark, thanks Mark, for coming thanks. on, man. Leading us off here on Vikings Vent Line. And uh, and I'll, I'll I'll go back to the Brian. I think the, the play that people are going to probably reflect on uh, is because they, they showed the replay a couple times. Brian O'Neill did get forklifted at one point and just bull rushed by Khalil Mack. But overall, you know, we'll, we'll wait until uh, like the film reviews and the PFFs come out. But Kirk Cousins looked like he had time to throw. I mean, it was it was a great game plan to what Jub was saying. Don't abandon the run just because you weren't having a ton of success. Just keep pounding and pounding and and leveraging play action. And and the and the number one rule of thumb in this passing game that they have ignored too many times this season should be throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, especially between the 20s. When you get inside the 20, Adam Thielen's your guy. He's one of the best red zone targets in the NFL. Two more touchdowns tonight. But Justin Jefferson between the 20s is ridiculous. And he showed it again tonight, boys. Eight catches t- tonight, boys, 135 yards, targeted 10 times, an average on his eight catches of 16.9 yards per catch. Um, I really do think that in these past three games post by two, the coaching staff has improved a lot. Like it, fe- it feels like they accepted, after that Falcons debacle, Phil, it feels like they accepted the deficiencies of the team itself. And instead of trying to sort of force things and be like, well, you should do that, which they couldn't, um, that they're actually making up for those deficiencies by calling smarter games on both sides. And I think that shouldn't be lost. I mean, the competition has not been great, but that's fine. If you go into Chicago where you don't win and win, that's impressive to me. Um, but I really do think that starting with the Packers game, the coaching staff has upped its game. And instead of trying to force things, they are they are accepting what their players can and probably more importantly, can't do. Yeah, uh, this is the most interactive show in Minnesota sports. It's Purple Daily. Vikings Ventline is uh, is the episode here with Mackie and Judd and Declan. So we're pulling your comments into the screen. If you're watching us on YouTube, we can pull your comments into the screen. And we're also pulling Vikings fans into the room with us. If you just email vikingsventline at gmail.com, you'll have a chance to jump in here, Dex. Let's get to our next friend. Yeah, let's go friend, to fan, whatever. Let's get to our next uh, guest. Let's let's go to Ryan and <laughs> hello, hello friends. I'm like Jim Nance. Well, Jim Nance too much golf for you, Mackie. <laughs> hello, Ryan. How are you? Hello, Patreon. How are you guys' uh, friend tonight? That's cool. Um, <laughs> it feels creepy. Stop. <laughs> hello, friend. No, I, so uh, all I want to say is uh, this is what drives me crazy about Kirk Cousins. He uh, shows up tonight and then lays eggs against the Falcons and the Colts. And that's all I want to say. That is absolutely insane to me is how he had, he had a great game tonight, but man, why can't he do it every, every time? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem there. I Can think I tackle I, that? I, yep. Go ahead. Yep. I'm, I'm going to defend him. I feel like Kubiak and the offensive coaching staff is calling game is called tonight, a game in which Kirk could su- succeed. The Falcons game to me, Felt like a game in which Kirk was was put out there and the team was struggling, and Kirk was told win this game, man. And Kirk's like, oh my god, no, no, that's not me. Um, I really think that that the reliance on Cook and Cook being the guy at the top of the marquee, good or bad, um, relieves pressure on Kirk and allows Kirk. And this term is not meant derogatory. Kirk Cousins, when he has asked to efficiently manage a football game, I think is very good. I think when he is solely asked to win games, which a lot of quarterbacks in 2020 are, I think he struggles. 
So I'll defend Kirk by saying I think the approach with Kirk in this game to me felt different than the Falcons or the Colts game or some of those early season games that the Vikings lost. Yeah, I think I'll I'll agree with you on that. But I mean, even tonight, uh, Dalvin didn't have a great game. Kirk just made some throws, and it's it's crazy that he shows up tonight, and then other nights it's just not his night. But uh, congrats to him for winning the first Monday night game, and you know, showing up. So Kirk Cousins one and nine now on Monday Night Football. <laughs> Ryan in Houston, thanks for coming on Vikings Vent Line. Um, and yeah, like the last three weeks, clearly the coaching staff led by Gary Kubiak on offense has said, all right, let's, let's deconstruct this thing here. Let's, let's play to the strengths. Let's not go crazy putting the whole game on Kirk's back. Um, and, and tonight was a great example of just the threat of Dalvin cook opens things up in the passing game off play action. It gives Justin Jefferson a chance to break loose for over a hundred yards, and uh, and you could like Kirk was pretty stoic throughout the entire game. And, you know, the, it was sort of the, the gritting, the gritting teeth, uh, mildly anxious Kirk for the better part of three hours until he realized when they put that game away with the big game by Kyle Rudolph. It's like he then realized, yeah, I just got my first Monday night win. And then you saw the emotion and the fist pumping. And it's like, all right, dude, let's. I'm not going to rip him because he doesn't do it. But it's like, you're so, you're so he's close. a dork. He's just a professional dork. That's what he is. One and nine. So close. Breaks a bit. You were so close. <laughs> All right. Who do we got next year, Dex? All right. Our guy, our guy Chauncey. I know he called us from a deer stand last week, but uh, I know he had some connection issues. So where, where, are you, where are you calling from this time, Chauncey? A little fireside chat here right in front of the uh, Halverson family fireplace. It's not the dumpster <laughs> fire tonight. It's the actual fireplace. And, yes, I kind of broke my promise uh, last week, so I felt bad. But when you get up in Bum North, uh, Minnesota, <laughs> you guys think Fargo is the middle of nowhere. You wait till you go where we go deer hunting up north. And, uh, yeah, no internet connection. I tried, but it was breaking up. So, anyway. Uh, so, if I failed on my promise for 16 different locations, I failed. But, uh, you know, I, was, I just want to say thank you to the Vikings tonight for – giving Minnesota sports fans something to be interested in, honestly, for a little bit longer. Uh, you know, Mr. Fleck over there, he's got his team rowing the boat off the edge of the Hoover Dam. And I, what are you going to talk about, you guys? I mean, if it isn't, you know, this, you know, if it was a tank for Trevor season, that's great. But, you know, that would get old after a while. So I think that it's kind of fun that the Vikings are making that it, this interesting at this point. They're making a little run. And, this hour is usually the talk about Kirk Cousins hour, which I think is totally deserved because quarterback's the most important position in the league. But I want to talk about the defense a little bit, right? First off, how did Nick Foles ever beat us to go to the Super Bowl? I mean, I watched Dude. the same, and I'm sorry he ended up leaving on a stretcher, but. Yeah, did he like, was it, do we know what, it looked like a dislocated hip or something? His leg was twitching. Didn't look good. It looked really bad. It did when when his when his foot was bouncing up and up, yeah. down off the turf. But yeah, not good. I mean, that quarterback, he beat the Mike Zimmer defense with our players in their prime and like literally blew us off the field. The same guy. I don't care what the Bears' offensive line or their coaching looks like. But, but okay, I wanted to really talk about it, though. Like the defense, I'm watching Vikings games and I'm a huge fan. There are names of players I, I still don't even recognize on the field. I, I'm watching cornerbacks and D-backs that I've never even heard. They're saying names I've never heard of. I, this, I don't care how putrid that offense is. 
you have to give Zimmer credit for this. And what I'm really impressed with, honestly, is the defensive line. So no Everson Griffith, no Linval Joseph, no, you know, Daniel Hunter. And the one thing I love about how they rush the quarterback now is they, they box him in and they contain him. It's a collapsing pocket all the time. They may not get there, but it's not the uh, Everson Griffith wild man rush where Aaron Rodgers takes one step outside and he's got now 29 seconds to throw the ball because of the move. It's just a very contained defense. And I don't know, there's something settling about it to me. And I don't know if that's Mike Zimmer, but I will give him credit because I remember before Zimmer was the coach when we lose games 39 to 38 and the guy still does no defense. And we have cornerbacks and safeties and people in the field I've never even heard of. And I got to give him credit for that. It was a big win. Thank you, Vikings, for making it relevant. Thank you for keeping us in the season. And uh, that's the end of this fireside chat. I'm getting warm. I'm getting <laughs> like warm it. here. I, just I, watching I, that fire. I All like right. the the, tra- the tranquil, meditative, uh, <laughs> yeah. chancy positivity in front of the thank, fireplace. Thank you. Jacqueline gets to drink all those Corona seltzer. Oh, you know it, Chancy. That would be the best job ever. If you guys aren't paying him seven twenty five an hour, I mean, there's a lot of people that want that job, right? They Listen, it's it's eight twenty it's eight twenty five with the other dollar kicked in from yeah. Corona Heart Seltzer. So right. Right. Yeah. Right. thank you very much. Plus right, benefits. I, I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. All right. See you, Chancy. Yeah. I mean, I I, I just want to say uh, not just the defense, but when the Vikings were one and five, I was very much looking to see: Are they going to quit on the head coach? Is this going to be the time after a handful of years of of the same coach and and the same messages? And I get that the roster has turned over quite a bit in those in those uh, six seven years, but this is the prime time when you start that badly and the coach has been around that long for a team to just say, "I'm good," like they like the Houston Texans did with Bill O'Brien. Like the Bears are doing after like three years of Matt Nagy, like they're very they're very much just sort of falling apart, and the Vikings did the opposite, and and you've seen that before with Pittsburgh when things are tough and injuries mount, and and that team rallies around Mike Tomlin. My opinion of Mike Zimmer has changed. Not that I was like on the fire Zimmer bandwagon a month ago. Uh, I think some people were, but my opinion of Mike Zimmer has only enhanced over the past three weeks because this team has absolutely rallied around him. They are still listening to him. They are still inspired by him. And this defense, considering the pieces on the field, are mostly rookies and backups. And I get that they're playing some crappy division team, like the Lions and the Bears, and I, I, I get it. But this is some of the best defensive coaching work he's done since taking this head coaching job in 2014, Judd. So after the Falcons game, I wasn't on the fire Zim um, train, but I was definitely on on the, I'm not sure he's going to be back after 2020 and let's wait and see train. And um, he has done a masterful job too. I think of returning, I believe, I think to a large degree, what he's done defensively in these past three games, Phil, as well, is I think he's returned to the basics of what his defenses do do well. Um, Because when he came here after his success as the DC with the Bengals, if you recall, his defenses weren't known for sacks. They were known for pressures. He likes to pressure. And, and then he got a guy like Hunter and Griffin, and he started to get more sacks. But I don't think that was like his big goal. And and I think what they've done now is dialed it back from in from a defensive line standpoint that certainly does not have big names to being far more comfortable with applying pressure. And as Chancey said, boxing guys up and basically creating pockets that – make it difficult to pass and if they get a sack that's fine but if they don't they don't care um the guy tonight that i thought though absolutely defensively stood out 
Harrison Smith. I mean, he's a great player, and he has had, during the course of his career with the Vikings, a lot of great games. Uh, But tonight, I thought that he was dominant and was put in a position to succeed. And this, this is the Smith that we've seen previously a lot of times before this year. I thought that he, he was great. And their defensive coverages and, and basically playing too deep uh, to protect their corners worked out perfectly. Now, does it work perfectly against a better offense? I don't know. But at this point in time, do you really care? Like it's a game by game. And again, I will say it. When you're going into a building where you never win and you won, you are not going to be like, well, we got lucky there, right? No, you, you just take, just yeah. take the win, though. So, so this this was the win that I said. If you got it, no matter how you did, I don't care. Like mm-hmm. Detroit at home beat them bad. Yes, that's fine. And am I super impressed by that win? Not super impressed. But this win to me, I don't care. If you won in Chicago, where you have lost, as Phil, you talked about the top of the show, you have found ways to lose traditionally there. If you get a win there, I don't care what the means are. You got the win. Yeah, there are some fights that you're not you're not going to get the fourth round knockout. You're just not. You need to get to the end of the fight and go to the judges' scorecards and just hope that you just hope that you're up. And that's the Vikings at Soldier Field. Just just get out. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter what it looks like. Just get out. Um, let's go to our next one here. Who do we got, Dex? We got Skull Alex. Alex, what's going on, dude? What's up, Alex? What's going on, guys? Huge fan of the show. I've been I listen to you guys all the time. Usually when the show, when the game's in, I'm uh, getting my daughters from nap time. So I'm thrilled I finally get to be on with you guys. Thank you. Right on, man. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, are, are, you, are you pumped after three straight wins? Where are you at on this? Baby, I am so pumped right now. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I got to be honest, one in five. I was a little worried. I was like, man, should I get on this tank for Trevor? Uh bandwagon but you know what hey let's save this season guys we're way too good to be tanking we're way too good to be tanking so i love the fact that uh we're able to put three together we got three easy ones now being a vikings fan we know that easy ones are never easy ones but hey let's get another three going um i love the way our defense played we got some no-name guys out there making big plays our, our stars are making big plays. Um, Jefferson is a stud. I'm from Maryland, so you knew I was a Diggs fan. But, hey, I'll take that trade all day for Jefferson. He's looking amazing. I think I think if we do pull off a playoff uh, run, I think Cook's got to be in the discussion uh, for MVP if he keeps on this pace. Uh, yeah, so you, you, I'm on cloud nine, guys. I'm just happy to, be, I'm happy to be able to talk to you guys and happy to be able to get a Monday night win. I like that. <laughs> Skull Alex, man. Good stuff. Uh, I got three words for you. you. You like that. You like that. You like that? that might be our call of the night. Someone's going to have to top that. I don't know. That's going to be hard to top. He's excited. Skull he Alex bring, bringing the energy. Uh, dare I say, okay, it's going to sound, it's going to sound hot takey, but okay. Drew, Drew Brees has broken ribs all over his body and punctured lung like he'll probably be back for the playoffs but is it possible that his status for that game in five and a half weeks mm-hmm. is in question i know they've said like he's gonna miss at least three weeks it's gotta be at but least we, you know, we're, we're sitting here looking at the schedule and the vikings have three straight home games then they have to play at tampa bay and that's going to be tough and then they still have games against chicago and detroit 
in their last uh, three. And then the other, like the really the toughest game left on their schedule is that Saints game. But if Drew Brees is still nursing some broken ribs and a punctured lung and whatever else he's got going on, is it possible they could be facing a backup quarterback in that matchup? Something to watch. I know I'm looking, I'm looking a month James down Smith's here. James Winston's the top overall pick, man, and he eats W's. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, uh, he's four interceptions against here, Miami. Here's, here's the conundrum in the age of pandemic that might get really dicey if you're a Viking fan. There is a chance that you are going to be rooting long and hard for at least one game to be uh, to have to be postponed because I believe the trigger for an eighth playoff team in each conference is at least one postponement. It's at seven right now, which, you know, there's still a chance there, but I think it triggers to eight the moment that they have to back things up. Okay. And so, so if you're a Viking fan, if you have a postponement and it doesn't have to be your team, that could potentially be good, good news. Cause I think if they take eight teams per conference guys, Vikings are in fantastic shape. I mean, they're, they're, in, they're in possibly good shape with seven, but with eight, whoa. seven, seven is still pretty dicey because right now the six here, here are your, your wild I'll just go through the standings. So the Packers, the saints, the Cardinals, and the, the, this is what's ridiculous. The NFC East yeah. is literally going to have like a six win team, win the division and get a playoff spot. Correct. And so that's kind of throwing a wrench into the whole conference. Uh, but your, your wildcard teams right now are Tampa Bay at seven and three. The Rams at six and three and the Seahawks at six and three, and you're sitting at four and five. So you're going to need, and now the Rams and the Seahawks are going to be beating up on each other in that division. Uh, I don't, I, I can't recall if they played each other twice yet. They just played last weekend, but that's a tough division. So there's losses to be had there, but the Vikings almost certainly have to finish nine and seven to snipe that seven seed. It's going to be tough for one of these teams to fall that far down. Um, but I mean, if, but you're right, if, if one game in the, in the league gets canceled and all, and now that all these teams are running through their bye weeks, there's no, it, right. you're running out of ways to like refinagle the schedule. Right. So, uh, the eight seed right now is the bears at mm-hmm. five and five. So if you can, you kind of go from seven seeds, still a bit of a stretch, but the eight seed is almost a lock based on the Viking schedule. So now you're right, Jed, you're, you're absolutely rooting for games to get canceled due to COVID to get it's that just, eighth playoff spot. It's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> you're pulling for COVID is a really bad thing to say. <laughs> well, you're not hoping for people to die for no, God's I, sake. I right? know, but it's, still, just, it's, a, a, it's a, a pandemic. <laughs> you're a pandemic. A and fever. A, oh, yeah, no, no, no. You're too sick to play. Don't, don't go play. <laughs> uh, go all, right. all right, Dex, who else we got? Let's uh let's go to Eric. Eric, what's going on, dude? Hey guys, great work. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Um, who else was just extremely nervous uh, after that Cordero Patterson kickoff return? It felt it really. And to have that, I was happen, these guys, it it felt like such a classic Vikings Bears thing to happen, like against the Vikings at Soldier Field. So yes, I was feeling those vibes. <laughs> Special, you know, special. Um, just to piggyback on what some of the other callers had mentioned and what you guys have talked about, uh, the defense has really improved quite a bit. And in hindsight, it makes that unique way in Gawkway trade makes it that much more impactful negatively. Because if we're not going to tank for a top quarterback, and if we're looking for that second tier quarterback in the second round, we don't have a second round pick. So if you don't get it in the first round, I don't know what's going to be left in the third round. You better hope the Kirk Cousins of tonight kind of, you know, 
continues to play like the Kirk Cousins of tonight or even better. Yeah, and Eric, we're having some connection issues, but um, thanks for jumping on. And I think I think just to his main point about Unique Ngakwe, and I, it, literally at the same time he said that, we pulled a comment in from Brian who said the same thing. You know, at the time they made that trade, to me it was the right decision. It just like the Vikings at the time were going nowhere. They had injury issues. And uh, there might have been some things behind the scenes like they were pretty quick just to say goodbye to a guy that they could have gone in and maybe had extension talks with. It's like it's almost like they got they got to look at him for five weeks and they're like, all right, we're, we're good on this, actually. Um, yeah, I think he didn't I think he didn't fit. Uh, and I, I think the point that he didn't really embrace trying to stop the run was probably a, pro- a problem, too. This seems since that trade, this seems like a much more cohesive defense, right? Like it, mm-hmm. see, like it seems like it's gelled a lot more, and, and I don't think that that's an accident. Um, but at the time of the trade, Phil, we all said, oh, my gosh, this is great. Now, do, do you probably need to try and go get that second-round pick back for this coming April? Absolutely, you do. Uh, but at the time that they made that trade, if they truly knew or believed at that point that Daniil was going to come back and play and – you had a chance to have Ngakwe replace Griffin at that right edge there. It looked pretty good. So it's hard. It's hard now to say that's a waste. I do think that they need to work their butts off though, to get that second round pick from somebody. Yeah. I think that's the thing. That's like, important. They've got a first, they've got uh, two thirds and they got a bunch of picks later on. You know, if you could somehow get a second round pick back and that's kind of why I was hoping that they would trade Riley reef before the trade deadline. But now, obviously now that you're making a playoff push, Riley reef has been great this season. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe that was part of their logic before the trade deadline. Do you, do you consider trying to bring reef back again now in 21? Cause Cleveland at right guard and, and I see Cleveland as being a left tackle long-term. Okay. Um, but his play at right guard, I think has been damn good. I think it's been really fairly consistent. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, if that's a great question. I mean, if you feel like Riley reef and he's not that old, he's like what? 31 or 32. If you yeah. feel like, I don't think you can bring him back at his number. I think his cap number is like 13 or 14 million or something. Agreed. Um, and and there's, only, there's only like 2 million in dead money. So you actually save like 12 million by just cutting him. So yeah. Could you restructure, get him back on a two year contract? And uh, and just sort of put off the Ezra Cleveland to left tackle thing. You know, if you found your right guard and you've got your center and you've got two tackles for the next couple of years, then, you know, maybe that wasn't your ideal plan when you drafted Ezra Cleveland in the second round. But if he helps fix your offensive line, I would entertain it for sure. Seeing decent guard play is so great. Like <laughs> not having Drew Samia be a train wreck there. And God bless the kid. I know he tried hard, but but just seeing competent guard play, and it's competent now. It's just such a nice thing instead of seeing that guard position get steamrolled and absolutely embarrassed. So just for at least 21, I would think that you might give thought to Reef, to, to our point before, restructuring and leave Cleveland for a year there, and then he shifts after that. But I just I have fallen in love with the fact that for the last few games, the guard play has not been a train wreck, which is a really sad statement, but it's also the truth. If you want to know how bad guard play is in the NFL, about a third of the NFL tried to put a claim in on Pat Elfline in the last 48 hours, Oof. including the Chicago Bears, by the way. They tried well, to surprise. They got nobody left because of COVID and injuries. Yeah. And who I can't remember. Was it the Falcons? Um, Somebody grabbed him. Someone got, got him. him. Someone got him. Good luck to him. 
Yeah, no kidding. All right, let's keep it rolling here on Vikings Vent Line, part of the Purple Daily Umbrella of Podcasts. Mackie and Judd, Declan, powered by Corona Hard Seltzer. Who do we got? We got Isaac here. Isaac, what's going on, dude? Hey, guys, can you uh, hear me all right? Yes, sir. We got all you, right. man. Uh, well, yeah, I'd like to switch it away from the defense and more towards the offense because this was perfect. This is exactly what I wanted to see from the Vikings offense is when the run games get shut down, which it inevitably would, playing one of the best, if not the best, run defense in the league, how is the offense, and especially, you know, Kirk Cousins, how are they going to fare uh, in a primetime Monday night game? Because obviously, yeah, if Dalvin Cook goes off for four touchdowns and has 300 total yards from scrimmage, like any team in the NFL is going to win that game. No one's surprised when we win that game after he puts up a stat line like that. But I really wanted to see, yeah, how does game manager Kirk Cousins and the rest of this offense that has a questionable offensive line at times, especially in passing downs, how do they fare against the Chicago Bears defense on prime time uh, in Soldier Field, where we're usually not a great team? Yeah, man. I mean, and, and I'll, I'll reference the comment here from Delton on the screen, too. And Judd mentioned off the top, the coaching has been great the last month. I mean, they're just like, you know, it's it, it. I think it's sometimes it's easy to say, well, we have a highly paid quarterback. And so therefore he needs to shoulder the load. And instead, some egos were swallowed and and some originally laid plans were crumpled up and thrown out. And they've just sort of gone to the 2005 Vikings formula when they were in a hole two and five to start the season and had Brad Johnson. They've gone into the the reality mode of Kirk can do certain things. Kirk can't do other things. And so let's put Kirk in the best spot to do the things that he is capable of doing. And now at some point, and I thought it might be tonight, at some point, the Vikings are going to fall down by you know, 10, 12, 14 points, and he's going to have to throw the ball 40 or 45 times, and it's going to be on him. Um, but it seems like the Vikings have enough going offensively, and their offensive line's been playing better, and their defense is holding teams in check a lot more, that um, they can sort of implement the plan that they want to more often than not. It looks like going forward, looking at their schedule, and they're not going to have to lean on Kirk for 45 throws and uh, and a bailout in the second half that he's not capable of. Yeah, and I guess I'd say I'm just really proud of the administration, especially these uh, past few weeks, but a lot of times over the offseason too, we finally had like the guts to say, okay, Xavier Rhodes, he's not working out. Uh, in this last week, we said, okay, Pat Alfline, we really liked him, but he hasn't been playing up to the standards that we wanted him to, so cut him. Uh, you know, all of these guys that we just said, all right, we're going to just take all the people who aren't really fitting into our system because I think that's been really the issue with the Vikings is we're trying to put square pegs in round holes with players. We're just like in Gakwe. We're trying to get like those guys off the uh, waiver wire and just put them on a team because they're good. But that doesn't always mean that they're a good scheme fit. So mm-hmm. I think, and on the other side of the coin, when we do have guys that on paper, you know, look at them and say, oh, that's an all pro guys like rookies, guys like Jeff Bladney, um, Eric Wilson, all those guys that you can just they have a good fit in our scheme, and then you can put them on the field when someone gets injured like Anthony Barr, and they go and play, and the Vikings defense doesn't miss a single beat. Mm-hmm. Amen. Isaac, great stuff, man. Thanks for jumping on the show Thanks, with us. Patrick. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Defensively, this team, and coaching staff in particular, is really good at taking players and developing them. And I think 
the reality of the first part pre-buy week was this too. The opportunity to develop them, and we we talked about this, Phil, on the show quite a bit, was going to take time. It was just going to take time. And so so I, I think that to Isaac's point, and he's right, I think some of this is that you've got players developing and scheme fits and being smart. I think part of this too, though, is, you know, Gladney. Gladney spent what, the first month or so getting torched continually and no one was surprised. And the most important thing was he's improved. So to me, it's a combination of of things. And plus you're in a stretch now where you're probably playing teams that aren't necessarily across the board as good as the teams that you played early in the year. You know, the Titans are a pretty good team. Seattle offensively is not defensively. I get that. Uh, But I do think that this is a gelling process and it's now put you into a long stretch of games against teams that you can beat. Yes. And oh, and wow. until you get to the Saints, like this next stretch of three games, you have a great chance to win three more consecutive games. Um, and you're not going to face a team where you go into a home game saying, oh, this is, is going to be tough. You've got a legitimate chance now to reel off, I think, at least six consecutive wins. Now, mm-hmm. even if you lose one of these home games, because I honestly, I do think it's unrealistic to say, well, they get, now they're going to win three in a row. Right. I mean, it's the NFL and, yeah. you know, like the Cowboys still have talent and Andy Dalton, at least they're going to have an NFL quarterback playing. It sounds like on Sunday, it's a short week for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I could see them slipping up against Dallas or something, or, uh, you know, if, if Teddy's not out, because uh, he hurt his knee. So his status is questionable for the next couple of weeks. But even if they win two of their next three, they're back to 500. They're back to six and six going into the last month of the season. And they've got games against Detroit and Chicago. I mean, you're still you're still looking at eight and eight or nine and seven, even if you lose one of these home games. Dare I say, if you sweep these home games, you might be looking at ten and six. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Are you really going to say that? Are you really going to say that? Are you really going to say that? Do you really want to say that ten and six? Just going to throw it out there. Let's get to our next one. Let's do it. Let's go to Sam. Sam, what's going on, dude? Hey guys, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I thought like underrated star of this game was Gary Kubiak. I thought he called a really great game. I thought the bootleg pass to Kyle Rudolph after the the two minute warning was really really smart. He didn't abandon the run, which happens so often in Chicago. The quick passing game was very effective. Um, the defense, to me, we were just talking about it, but that's very exciting because you know even if this team you know at one and five we were saying. Well, hopefully the young defensive players can progress and get better. And not only are they winning, but the defensive players are clearly getting better. I don't think the defense will be this good week to week um, because Chicago is just that bad. But it's exciting because now you have these young guys on these rookie deals and you, know, you can spend money elsewhere. And Zim actually gets to coach players rather than mm-hmm. in previous years. You have these highly paid guys who kind of would do their thing and maybe not even like listen to him. As we saw with some of the cornerbacks in previous years, like they can kind of tune them out a little bit. Um, here's my question for you all. Uh, I think the Bears come to U.S. Bank in week 15. Is Matt Nagy still the Bears coach at that point? Because they showed, they showed the office space graphic. Um, <laughs> that, was, that, that was great. great. That was we awesome. had to take a minute to, to compliment the greatness. <laughs> Well, I thought about that scene when they're asking the guy, like, what exactly do you do here? Because, like, <laughs> Matt Nagy is this offensive coach. He has one of the worst offenses in the league. He was hired to fix Trubisky, who he benched. He doesn't call the plays anymore. 
Like they have a bye week, the Bears, I think. And if not for the Nick Foles injury, where now it could be this uh, guy who came at the very end, of the game, <laughs> yeah. I could have easily seen Chicago at the bye firing Nagy. Chuck Pagano is their defensive coordinator and was a head coach in the past. Uh, he could be the interim. So I'm curious if you all see uh, Matt Nagy still leading the Bears when they uh, play again in a few weeks. I think he, I think he will be. I, I think he very well could be fired at the end of the season. I don't think they're going to fire him though, um, because because I think what they're going to do after the year is done is I think they're going to blow out their GM and coach at the same time. And so I don't think that they would fire the coaches. I, I think they'll sweep them out both. But um, yeah, I, I mean, this, I'll go back to saying it again, guys. This reminds me in so many ways of, of Childress pre-Farve, right? Like you're an offensive coach. What is your offense doing? Except they can't run. Like at least Brad, Brad's team could <laughs> run. Offense. Oh my God, these guys can't even run the football. I mean, it it was, it's pathetic to watch. It's really sad. And but like, yeah. Well, I think it's wild to me how Cordero Patterson, who we all know, is now like a running back. Like in a league where you can always like find someone undrafted or someone off the street and make them decent. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where we got this idea that Patterson is somehow a run between the tackles running back. It is wild to us as a Viking, as Vikings fans. I was screaming on my television because I don't know where this became a thing. I love he does. Yeah, he's Cordell Patterson is the king, and I get that his return touchdown gave the Bears the lead. So like, all right, he's given the deuces to the Vikings, but he's also <laughs> the guy that, if I remember right, there was a there was a regular season game at TCF Bank Stadium against Seattle or something, and the Vikings yeah. were down like thirty five rip, yeah. and he scored a touchdown to cut it to to a four touchdown deficit, and he and he and he like does the Deion Sanders high step into the end zone. Like, Come on, dude. <laughs> so Sam, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your insight as always. Um, on the on the Brad Childress comparison, Judd. So part of it is I think Matt Nagy incompetence, and you know, if if you're coming in as an offensive X's and O's mastermind in a play calling, like play calling has also been the thing that he has clung to, right? With the Bears, anyways. And when that gets stripped of you, I don't know how you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. I don't know how like you can go back in two weeks and say I'm going to start calling plays again. It's like you kind of reach a point where you just have to be fired. But I think the problem in Chicago is bigger than Matt Nagy. It's bigger than Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. I've been watching Bears football since the early 1990s, and I dug this stat up for you guys on uh, on one of our Purple Daily shows late last week. The Chicago Bears, since 1986, since Walter Payton retired in 1986, the Chicago Bears have never finished higher than eighth in the NFL in total offensive yards in a season. Think about that. 35 years, and they've never had a threatening offense. How is that possible? Which is why I am going to dismiss as quick as possible the the guy who drafted Trubisky in the Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes draft. Ryan Pace has to go. Like, you can't miss. Like, you can't be that bad for that long and then be presented with basically one or two gifts from God. Like, God is saying, okay, here's your quarterback, Chicago. After all these years, you know, you finally got your QB. It, it's Mahomes or it's Watson, and you're like, oh, oh no, no, God, no, no, no. I want Trubisky. And you, yeah. what? So that's why I, I think that they both go, and I think they both go probably the day after the uh, season ends. And I think that it's a package 
deal because I think on the same day, my guy Patricia gets fired as well. And so uh, 50% of the coaches from the division will be gone yeah. and they both deserve it. And and for the record, just to go back to what our, our friend Chancey said off the top of the show or like 10 minutes in the show, one of the biggest takeaways from this game is the flashback to the 2017 NFC Championship game. And you're thinking, you're watching Nick Foles run for his life tonight, just like airmail wide open wide receivers. He missed two touchdowns tonight. He missed a he missed a wide open Jimmy Anthony Graham Miller. The line and Anthony, Anthony Miller, Miller wide yeah. open, right? Yes. And you're thinking, how the hell did that guy hang 38 points on the Vikings in the NFC Championship game? Like, what in the world? You know how, though? Partially, partially, at least. P- uh, Peterson and coaching. They they figured out what they figured out what Zim was doing and exposed it completely. And Foles could carry out the assignment. The problem now, and th- this is where the Bears, um, the Bears ineptitude in offense is completely exposed. They can't even, they've got an offensive coach, offensive coach, right? They can't even go in with a competent game plan against a Vikings defense that's pretty green in a lot of key places. That's the thing that amazes me. That's why That's why I would look at the Bears and say, you know what? I'm going to hit the reset here because you're not good at what you told me that you could do. And it's another Andy Reid offensive assistant. <laughs> uh, so you guys... You guys are watching Vikings Ventline here, part of the Purple Daily umbrella of podcasts, uh, and we're part of the Score North network here. So if you're new to us, we are Mackie and Judd. Declan is our ace producer behind the scenes, and we have two shows as part of, of as part of Score North. We have Purple Daily, and that's where Vikings Ventline lives right after Vikings games are over. And we also have Mackie and Judd. You can find both of those on demand in audio form on Apple, Spotify, or scorenorth.com. And you can check out our two YouTube channels. The one you're watching right now is youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. Click the subscribe button if you could in the bottom right hand corner. And the other YouTube channel, since you're perusing around, is youtube.com slash score north MN. If you want to find discussions, all kinds of Timberwolves speculation. Um, we, we also post additional Vikings content there. So, all right, we have a packed green room, so to speak, right now. So let's get to our next Vikings fan here, Dex. Let's go to Kelly. Kelly, what's going on, dude? Hey guys, uh, love the show. Um, I appreciate watching every week and listening. Um, my question, a couple of points about tonight's game that I thought were big plays. I want to get your thoughts. One was we talked about the defense tonight, but after the Mac pick, they got a chance to go up, take the lead with the touchdown. They get the ball in the second half. I'm talking the bears now, but the defense came through forced a field goal. I thought that was a huge play. Another thought about the game. Did the Bears have a penalty called against them? Maybe at least one. one. I think it was one. They had one. They had I, the I, offsides of the like the first series yeah. of the game. I yeah, think. I just thought yeah. it was crazy. I kept waiting I it was for one. some kind of defensive, you know, penalty or something to help keep that uh, drive alive for the Vikings. Of course, there was no penalties at all until Cook's big run, and they finally had to throw a holding penalty. But um, <laughs> and my last thing about uh, you know Delvin Cook, obviously, has been awesome, but. Do you guys ever worry about that he kind of fumbles at, you know, kind of has some, you know, fumbleitis? You know, he fumbled tonight and landed on the ball, and I think we know where he uh, landed, where the ball landed. <laughs> yeah, I also that think was, he got. Yeah. I also think he got punched in that general vicinity yeah. as as he was falling to the ground. That looked very painful. It did, and that's a. I mean, but that's a fumble that that could have changed the whole complexion of the game. There were so many weird plays, and when you have these teams battling. Um, you know, uh, I feel bad. Your one question before I let you go uh, asked about um, Elfline. 
the Jets picked him up. So congratulations, That's right, oh, dude. Retire, Pat. <laughs> Just call it quits. And uh, the last thing about 2020 and COVID, here we are maybe asking for COVID games so we get an eight seed. Crazy. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Imagine trying to explain that <laughs> yeah. uh, at the beginning of the 2020 calendar year. Like, all right, so here's what we're going to be rooting for. It's about <laughs> COVID. So the pandemic's going to help your team out. <laughs> like, what? Crazy. Yeah. All right, Kelly, thanks Thank- for jumping on, man. See you, Kelly. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, let's keep rolling through here, Dex. For sure. yeah. Let's go to uh, Alex. Alex, what do you got, dude? Hey, fellas. What's up? How y'all doing tonight? Good, Good man. man. Look at that beard. That is that is a game. Alex, weren't you on Write That Down a, a couple weeks right ago? Yes, I was on Write That Down right. a couple weeks ago. And how about my boy DJ Wanham stepping up? <laughs> right, dude. He's uh, yeah. DJ Wanham is DJ Wanham looks like he belongs in the league for sure, man. Yeah. And then uh, Hercules, my father actually had a pretty good game tonight as well. Mm-hmm. Good to see him actually showing out. First, I would like to say Artis Hicks, as a Vikings fan, I, I respect that dude. He is a beast. Akeem and, Hicks. Akeem Hicks. Yeah, Akeem uh, Hicks. Sorry. Yeah. Art, Artis Hicks is a deep track Vikings poll from the yeah. Brad Childress era. Yeah, I forgot about that. Playing yeah. offensive lineman. Former Eagles, good. shockingly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's good to see our defense play well. Our, it looks like our secondary is, is starting to show up. Mike Zermer's proven what a great EV coach he is. Uh, with the young guys, and you know, Kirk Cousins is—he's um, uh, right where he is, in the middle of the league quarterback. Which, you know, which is what he's—which is, if you think about it, is what he gets paid to be the middle of the league quarterback. So, so it was a good yeah. win overall. Finally, finally, get to see get to see uh, a good win in Soldier Field, which has been the bane of our existence for way too many years. Also, another thing to add to Alex and, and Judd and Declan. So the, the, we haven't talked a whole lot. We've talked about the lack of crowd noise at U.S. Bank Stadium and how you could tell right out of the gate, you know, week one, Aaron Rodgers is sitting there. You know, He's getting the Vikings to jump off sides twice in their own stadium. Uh, but what we haven't talked about is the Vikings on the road in some of these environments. Like when they go to Chicago and, uh, and the, you know, it's, the grass always seems longer and the crowd is going crazy and it's windy and there's all these conditions that are against you. And Kirk Cousins, you know, he always looks a little bit anxious because he's Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins walks up to the line of scrimmage. He calmly communicates to the running back. No, we're going to we're going to take it to the right side over here. So, I, you know, protection comes over here. And he's he's communicating with his line and with his skill position players like it's a home game. And mm-hmm. and so for as much as I think opposing quarterbacks have had the advantage at U.S. Bank Stadium because there's no crowd noise. Kirk Cousins has had some advantages too, not having to play in front of 70,000 fans on national TV, he can be more calm and his heart's probably not pounding out of his neck like it would be in some of those situations. <laughs> so, One more thing. Randy Moss, when he first started war number 18, how close does Justin Jefferson look to Moss hmm. right now? Man, he's I know he's not Moss. He probably never will right. be Moss, but there are, simil- there are similarities. Excuse me. He, he runs, incredible. for his age, that kid runs incredible routes too. Like I, th- I think technically he does everything right and that's the the thing is you know patterson came here uh, uh an off the charts athlete right like he had talent but he couldn't run a route to his last day here to save his life and what inc- impresses me about jefferson is i think he does everything really well and he is a phenomenal player but i mean that's the weird thing is the one the one thing as good as Diggs is the one thing that you really can't sit here and say oh man i can't believe it what is is the fact that jefferson has done as good a job as any human i think can do of replacing a guy 
who is without question probably a top three receiver in this league. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's God. been that good. Honest to God, so I, I what we're seeing with Stefan Diggs in Buffalo is they are maxing out, like they are targeting him like a star receiver, and they're they're giving him everything that he really deserved in Minnesota. So, so I get that we're seeing Stefan Diggs blossom and emerge. But do you guys feel like when you watch what he does in Buffalo and you watch that catch he made at the end of the game against the Cardinals that almost won the game for them? Do you sit there and think, man, that's the one that got away for the Vikings? Because I don't. I mean, I I watch him thrive and think. Wow, the Vikings found an equal replacement and got additional draft picks for him. That was a steal of a trade. Keep in mind, too, um, if Diggs hadn't been traded and Jefferson is not drafted, the last two games would have driven Diggs crazy. Like, he couldn't have bitten his tongue. No way. Yeah. Those la- the, the Green Bay game and Detroit game would have driven him nuts. For, and, and, you know, Justin Jefferson in about two years, three years, will probably feel the same way. But he's sure a rookie, he so. But for now... It's actually a good thing. Yep. So, Alex, stuff, dude. Appreciate you coming on with us. Like the backdrop. See, Alex. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, that's the one thing is Diggs would have gone, would have been apoplectic. Oof. He would not have, and and he would not have been quiet. No. And Je- Jefferson's great because the last two games, he does fine, not great. And tonight again, he's right there. How about and this? he is uh, a talent. Let me pop this up here if I can find this comment again. Somebody had the Kirk Cousins on third down stats. He was like 10 of 11. Here it is. Let me pop this on the screen for people to see this. So uh, Nicholas uh, found the third down stats. Kirk Cousins, 10 of 11 for a buck 49 and two touchdowns. Yeah. I like that. That's 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 you like YouTube, that? YouTube comment section verified. So we're going right. to go with it. All right. Who else we got here on Vikings vent line decks? We got Key. And Key, I believe, is a fan all the way from South Korea. Is that correct, Key? Yeah, yeah. Right on, Key. What's going on? What's on your mind? Three straight I, wins for the purple. Yeah, it's just feeling really great. And I'm a, I'm a subscriber from South Korea, so I don't get to see you know Vikings games live here often because of the time difference. But it was just so great to see them win in a place, especially like Chicago. And just wanted to get your thoughts on how Coach Zimmer is using like multiple pass rusher, rushers. I think, I don't, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Hercules Modifaya, I think he really, he looked really great. And did anyone feel nervous after seeing, you know, Keem Hicks just keep on laying on top of Dalvin after tackles? <laughs> so uh, because of the, you know, injury histories, I, I, I quite felt nervous. <laughs> and I really think that this team, other than the special teams, are really playing solid. So I think, yeah, I just love the show. And, Keep up the good work, hey, guys. Key, uh, Key, real quick before we before we answer some of your questions, how did you become a Vikings fan? Is it is this like when some of our friends in the United States pick random European soccer teams to be <laughs> fans of, or like how did you pick the Vikings? Uh, I was actually born in Minneapolis and okay. I lived until I was like six. So yeah, okay, there yeah. you go. All right, awesome man. You're verified. You're verified. Um, on the on the Akeem Hicks front, Judd, um, I I love the dynamic between Dalvin Cook and Akeem Hicks. I love mm-hmm. that they just like hate each other. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then when Akeem Hicks went down with the hamstring injury, they kept flashing over to him because I think Dalvin broke a 12 yard run right up the middle. The next chance he got, I mean, this the I, Dalvin went from averaging like two and a half yards per carry to just like busting some big runs there the minute that Akeem Hicks went out. So it was a big advantage for the Vikings. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the thing with Cook is, is this. Um, I fear he will get hurt again at some point in time. But for the Vikings to maximize their offensive efficiency, 
you actually can't concern yourself with that question um, because it's not it's not like you, you can go into a game now and say, you know what, tonight Dalvin's going to get 13 carries and that's it, right? So I think you're just playing a game here of of almost suspending your concern about Cook because he's going to need to touch the ball. And I mean, it, this sounds ridiculous. I, I know it sounds crazy, but he probably is going to need to touch the ball in total 30 some odd times per game to maximize this team's e- efficiency there. Oh, hey, who's that? Tommy? We got a Tommy. cat? Tommy's got, Tommy? Tommy's got some takes Tommy, here. Tommy, you got any hot Vikings takes on Dalvin Cook? Yeah, lift Tommy oh, up. Oh, boy, there. Tommy. What let's do you see, got? Let's see, Tommy. Come here, buddy. Jefferson <laughs> is awesome to uh, echo that comment. <laughs> All right, Tommy. Tommy, this your thoughts. Tommy, everybody. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts on tonight's effort, three consecutive wins, and did you take the Vikings and the points? Uh, he said, uh, shut up, old man. I'm hungry. That's, that's right. That's what he just said. Yeah. I know Tommy Betts, okay? So let's just cut through, cut through the crap. Tom, Tommy's his here. Bookie, his bookie is the cat down the street. Everybody knows it. Tommy's here to eat three well-rounded, mostly protein-based meals per day and nice. And he's all out of food, so I better put him down. Is there a better life than that? I don't know if there is. It's very dangerous. Yeah, that sounds like my life. All right, who who else we got, Dex? Let's uh, let's go to Jay, who has his own thing of eating ice cream while he's on the mid show. So Jay, what what's going on, dude? All right, so sitting in the car too. Yep, Uh, that's because I was actually out all night taking some pictures in the middle of the country. But okay, um, one thing that really frustrates the crap out of me. And I notice that every time we get to a close game in the fourth quarter is that all we need is a first down to win it. And for some reason, uh, we just play soft or just run the same play over and over again, fourth down, pump the ball away, and give the other quarterback 50 seconds to beat us. Is that just a Vikings thing to do? Am I just crazy? Because I swear I've seen C.J. Ham run the same motion three times in a row. No, oh, Jay, it's, it, right. it's also it's also a Gophers thing to do too. So I'll take that one. I'll I'll take that one. It's a firm belief in the fact that you don't think that your quarterback can put the dagger in the opponent. It's it's so basically that, it's basically this: trust your quarterback completely or run clock. And Zim probably wisely is taking run clock right now. Because I the whole time I was just thinking like, man. A slant to Justin Jefferson, five yards, and a first down with 50 seconds left. That ices the game. But, no. And another <laughs> thing, one of the other guys was talking about how uh, Randy Moss was 18 and, you know, how close is Justin Jefferson to being Moss. Well, I, I think what uh, – and he's doing an awesome job this year, but what might be holding him back a little bit from being on that level is the fact that you got Adam Thielen on the team too. and on a lot of them situations, especially goal line situations, Cousins is going to go to Adam Thielen before Jefferson. So contested catches, Hail Marys even, like that one. Well, I said Carter, though. Chris Carter. Yeah, Carter. yeah all, all Chris Carter did was touch was catch touchdown passes, but it, it almost it almost felt like because so I I actually think to your point, I think Dalvin Cook is the one that's probably stealing the the more of the passing touchdown opportunities because Delvin Cook is leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Um, and in 1998, it seems like the Vikings threw a lot of fades into the corner and Moss was, I, I, I do think Justin Jefferson's going to wind up being a high touchdown guy, but maybe not uh, when Delvin Cook is getting 300 plus touches 
in a season. He's just he's just not as much of a focal point. This is I think this is one of the most heavily targeted games of the year for Jefferson, right? Wasn't he targeted ten times in this yeah, game? Yep. Yeah. yeah, ten targets for Justin Jefferson. So. Actually, you reminded me of a a little nerd thing that I heard a few days ago. I don't know if it after you know week ten if it's going to be accurate, but uh, at least as far as last week, Alvin Cook was number one in the league in total scoring mm-hmm. of any player. Yeah, uh, above uh, all kickers and whatnot. That's incredible. Wow. Which I think he's the first uh, non-kicker to be number one at any point in like the last hmm. 15 years or something. The Vikings legitimately are morphing into one of the better offenses in the NFL. And the stats show it too. the yards per play, like all of the numbers indicate that they have one of the best offenses in the NFL. So I, I think your point though on Justin is, is this, I, I think the difference between Moss and Justin just at its base is very simple. Moss would run deep routes and Cunningham would launch launch the ball deep. I believe they took one legitimate nine route downfield shot to Justin tonight. Um, And I don't think that they have the faith that if they turn Kirk loose to throw that pass, it's going to be successful consistently and could, Mm -hmm. could lead to picks. So I think the difference is is, is that, I think that's the, the biggest difference for him. On that pass too, Justin Jefferson got stuffed pretty hard. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. By the by the uh, coverage, it was good coverage by that corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Jay, we appreciate it. Enjoy uh, the ice cream when you, when you get done snapping some I photos. Send, send them to us on Twitter. <laughs> see what see what you're working on. All right. All right. See you, Jay. Uh, Vikings vent line here. Part of Purple Daily. I got a number for you guys too. Jay, yeah, 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 finish your point. Then I'll, to I'll throw be fair, to be fair too, I would love to see. Jefferson catch deep passes consistently. I don't think the Vikings win like they are right now if they go that route, though. Do you? I think that that I I really do think that since the bye week, this team came back with a very different plan for Kirk, and it's been a smart one. And Kirk's efficiency tonight, I think tonight is basically the perfect Kirk game. Like like it's the game that you ask Kirk to have, and he's capable. I think if you go beyond that and get outside the scope of what Kirk is capable of, I think mm-hmm. he can put up some good stats, but I also think that he is in that case set up to fail more. So he, so he, I'm being fair here and saying Jefferson could catch more deep balls. I have no doubt about that, but I think if they start to do that, they're probably going away from what's gotten Kirk these past three wins. Yeah, I think so. So he winds up throwing 36 passes, which if going into this game, if you would, if the only number you would have given me is, Kirk Cousins is going to throw 36 passes. Do the Vikings win? I would have said probably not. It probably means they fell behind early or they abandoned the run game early. Mm-hmm. And and they wound up saying, Kirk, you got to save us. And Monday night on the road, Chicago, Kirk, you got to save us. That's not normally something I want to hear. But those 36 attempts were so well-crafted and in some cases scripted. It was It was very much early on. It was very much controlled short passes looking for five, six-yard pickups. Um, they did take the one-shot downfield to, Jeff, to, to Justin Jefferson that didn't work out. And then as the game progressed, they took a few more intermediate shots, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards through the air. And it just, it, it yes, he threw 36 passes, but it felt very much within the flow of the play calling. It felt very balanced, and it felt like it all sort of drafted off of Dalvin Cook's threat. And they didn't abandon Cook. Mm-hmm. That was the important thing is, is it was never Kirk. Oh my God, throw. 
it was always within the script of Cook is the star and Kirk is going to play a key supporting role and sing, right? His supporting role instead of his, instead of his lead role in the plays, Kirk played a supporting character and he did a pretty good job. He did a very nice job. This was, this was, I think the realistic ask, if you put the, uh, his payday aside, which is difficult, I think this is the realistic ask for Kirk to be successful. Yes, uh, I agree. I mean, it, again, a lot of this is going to have to be thrown out the window as soon as like the Buccaneers take a 17-3 lead on you. Then like Kirk is going to have to do something. But until that happens, the Vikings should just keep leaning on this game plan. Now I have two stats for you here before we get to a few more Vikings fans. Pro football focus. Justin Jefferson on third down tonight against the Bears. Mm-hmm. Five targets, five catches, 102 yards. On Jeez. third down. So that's five- for Kirk. Wow. Five targets, five catches, 102 yards. How about this for the Bears offense? This is from uh, Lawrence Holmes on the score in Chicago. The longest run the Bears have had in the last two games is 11 yards, and it was on a fake punt God. last week. <laughs> it's anemic, dude. It's anemic. Dude, that is unbelievable. One, two, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I mean, uh, let I'm me just... give. Let, go ahead. Doug, go ahead. Let, let me give you the last five Chicago Bears possessions of tonight's game. Okay. <laughs> the last five, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt. <laughs> At that point in time, boys, in three possessions, they had three possessions combined. They had minus two yards. The next possession, three and out, punt, and the last one, fourth down, Nick Foles damn near gets killed, and they turn the ball over. Uh, yes. I mean, this offense is, but but again, I don't want to, I do want to give the Vikings credit, because like, I, I will give them credit for going into a stadium that's very difficult for them traditionally, and coming out with a win in what I thought was a really effective game plan, because um, the Detroit win to me is at home, and I don't feel the same way but i think it's only fair i mean the bears are laughably awful offensively we all get that but nonetheless you went in and you won so i just wanted to be very clear coming from me judd zolgad and i know a lot of you people think i want the vikings to lose or i hate the vikings and i do not i think we need to give them credit tonight as well yep all right dex who else we got in the queue here on yeah, vikings line powered by corona hard seltzer that's right let's go to uh, our guy bryant bryant what's up dude Hey guys, uh, Judd stole my thunder a little bit. Uh, he gave Ezra a ton of credit, um, but I just want to say, since he's taken over, I mean, PFF had him rated as one of the worst players in the NFL. Drew Samia, that is, mm-hmm. and Ezra has taken over, and I think done a terrific job. And I think you see it in Kirk's statistics. Uh, interior pressure is one of the worst things for a quarterback to sustain because I mean, the, the pressure is right in your face, and I think that you see the high turnover numbers. You know, and I think uh, since since they've made that switch, which I think was obvious, you know, Kirk's been a little bit more steady and obviously it's translated into wins. Um, and then the other point I wanted to make was, um, I, again, as much of a Viking fan as I am, I, I think this is really an indictment about the Bears offense more than anything else. We have not great secondary and, you know, the first, you know, first couple of drives, they were they were just cutting us up with uh, back shoulder passes, you know, forcing our corners to, to play coverage. And that disappeared, you know, over, uh, you know, over the course of the game. 
And then, uh, you know, you know, Judd again brought it up. Their last five drives were, I mean, inexcusable from my perspective. Every time we got to a third down, I was just waiting for that back shoulder to Robinson and it never came. It was, they took a five-step drop, got a ton of pressure and, you know, credit to Zim for getting the pressure. But again, I think it's more of an indictment um, on the Bears than anything else. Okay, dude, Brian, you just reminded me by bringing up Allen Robinson's name. Mm -hmm. Did you guys see the tweet from Allen Robinson's agent during this game? I know. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Here, I'm just going to read it to you. So Alan Robinson's, so there was, there was a contract scuttlebutt right before the season oh, yeah. started. And so he's a free agent. He's an unrestricted free agent, I believe after the season. Yep. And he's really, he's really good. I mean, he's just like stuck in this crappy offensive ecosystem. If you put Alan Robinson with a franchise quarterback, he'd be amazing. <laughs> so, um, so his agent tweeted, after one of the, I think it was the Bears, the Bears got down to the red zone and they just threw like three dumb anemic passes or something. And his agent tweets, should he not be the first read in the red zone 99% of the time? Only team in the league that won't throw to the wide receiver one in the red zone. Same guy who's leading the league in contested catches. What's really going on? He's insinuating oh that the Bears are withholding red zone targets to depress the value of Allen Robinson's contract in the middle of a Monday night football game. <laughs> and and you know what's scary? He might be exactly right because oh the play calling God. made no sense. It's ridiculous. Like it didn't make sense. I kept waiting for him. He's right. Yeah. That's uh, hilarious. Brian, thanks for coming on, dude. Absolutely. Good stuff. See you, Brian. Let's keep rolling here, Dex. Who else? For sure. Got? Darian, our dude. What's up, buddy? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, Darian. To all the other Vikings fans, I just want them to shut up. Because <laughs> about what two, three weeks ago or four weeks ago, everybody wanted to tank for old Trevor be thy name, and now <laughs> everybody's a big, big fan now, and I just don't understand where this fake enthusiasm's coming from. But you know, all us real Vikings fans knew that this is what the Vikings do. So, um, <laughs> I think it's super important that when you do get. Um, Kirk Cousins in these confident spaces that he gets into, like especially at the end of the game, we start seeing him fired up like that. You have to let him close the game. You don't uh, go super conservative and just give that uh, Cook the ball three times, even on the third and five. Like, no, you have to let him. You have to let him do that. When you get your confident quarterback like that, finally get him to be confident. I think it's better for the team. You know, and then as far as what the schedule goes, the schedule's going just like I, how I said it was going to go. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm really scared about um, the Bucks. I hope COVID stops that game, possibly. But <laughs> actually, you know what? You know, actually, you know what the real win would be. Okay, if, if, you know, we're not we're not asking for COVID to kill anybody here. If, if COVID wiped out that game, yes, off the, off the schedule. And also then triggered the eighth playoff spot in the NFC. Yes, that I'd I'd I'd, I'd be fine with that because Bucks right now are a big matchup problem for us as of right now. But as far as the Saints, um, we own the Saints, guys. Like I don't I don't understand what the what the fear is with the Saints. I think I think we I think what, 2009, row, 2009's the fear. Yeah, oh, but you know that's right since then. But the tables but might be turned because the, the quarterback that's going to be uh, scared for his ribs in that playoff matchup here in a couple months is not going to be Kirk Cousins. 
I think I think Mike Zimmer owns Drew Brees at this point. I I I, I like I would like to think I I would like to think that, you know, just just as of right now. But um, just to be honest, I think that going forward, we have to, if we're already paying Kirk Cousins, like I said, we made the bed, we lie in it. If he's, we get him comfortable like this, we have to stick with it. We can't keep going to back and forth with the, with the conservativeness. We have, to, um, we have to be able to build on that. How far, so, do, you, how far do you trust that, though? I, I feel like, because I feel like there, there's a tipping point with Kirk um, where I get what you're saying, but then I think if you go too far to, oh, you know what, Kirk, we trust you now, that's where Kirk's like, oh, whoops, I fumbled. Um, so it's a very, it's a very dicey thing. I I mean, I do, I really believe that, that Kirk Cousins is at his best on puppet strings. And I think if you cut those strings, I get your point. And and ideally with what he's paid, you should be right. Not me. Um, Mm -hmm. like I just feel tonight and I feel like they're easing of, okay, Kirk, it's not, you know, it's Dalvin's ball now that this is where Kirk thrives. It's a sad thing to say, and it's not ideal. But I think if you want wins, it probably is the smart play, despite the fact that it's fair to question it. But like I said, if you go, if you do get in these pockets though, where it's easily a chance to close the game, like they had no other timeouts, just let them close the game. You know, it's a small little boost. I got one for you. You know, take what take what you can get. I'm not asking you to let Kirk Cousins win the game two minutes down and we're down a touchdown. Right. No, no, no. I don't want that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if it's if it's games like this where we're controlling the game the whole time, I mean Kirk Cousins, we find out Kirk Cousins can run for God's sakes. Like yeah. this this is exactly what we actually kind of needed. For him to be able to do so, as long gonna, as we stay uh, on the track, his, his new nickname is the Joystick. After watching him today, man, it's, <laughs> it's, I couldn't tell if it was Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins. Like, just uh, he's not as fast as Daniel Jones, but I mean, we'll take it. <laughs> right, faster than Foles, right? So that's good. <laughs> oh my God! Poor yeah, Nick, and, Foles. Well, Nick Foles ain't gonna be running very fast after no. whatever that injury no, was no, today. No, Holy no, cow! Absolutely, uh, Darian. Great stuff, dude. We'll talk to you sometime soon. All right, see ya. No problem. All right, let's keep it rolling here, Dex. Who else we got? Let's uh, let's go to our guy Matt. Matt, what's up, buddy? How you doing? You're uh, you're, you're muted, actually. You got to unmute your microphone there. You're good. Sorry. There you hey. go. Hey guys, love the show. Just want to put that out there. Thank you. So Thanks, I've Viking. been uh, watching all the episodes this week, and Judd uh, was a little bit uh, rough on Kyle, our friend Kyle Rudolph, a little <laughs> hesitantly. But you know, I I just feels like he's always a solid guy, great attitude, always showing up. Uh, and he's got those sticky fingers. In the end I love, I love how, like, for people to miss it, Judd literally, like, accused Kyle Rudolph 10 years in the future of trying to <laughs> calling try, up trying to politic his way into the Vikings ring of honor. <laughs> yeah, and he probably will go in. I just said I, I could see him calling. Be like, hey, am I in yet? What's that, Kyle? The ring of honor. I just, but he had a nice night. Aside from the fumble, which was very unKyle-like when he fumbled, it was also it was a little bit of a borderline call. But the ball did start to come out right as yeah. he hit the ground. Tough to overturn. Yep. But I, you know, the other thing that I thought tonight, there man, wow, uh, Zimmer, just like he is coaching out of his freaking mind uh, <laughs> this year because of what he's been given, and I, I, you, I don't to to get rid of him now. I just think that's just not a smart idea. 
Yeah, and I think I, I I don't know. I mean, we'll see what else happens the rest of the way. But I mean, just the way that the team has responded to him, um, it's bad franchises like the Bears and the Browns and the Lions fire their GMs, their coaches, and they go for new quarterbacks all at the same time. And that's how you stay a bad franchise. And so I don't I, I don't think you should be actively looking to get rid of GM, coach, quarterback all at the same time. And the fact that Mike Zimmer signed a new contract, dug out of a bad start, um, I, I think something pretty drastically bad would have to happen from from now through the end of the year for him to not be back as head coach next year. And yeah. I, I'm guessing that Rick Spielman's job probably isn't like if unless they you know lose six of their last seven or whatever the math is on their schedule. I think they're um, safe. I well, think the draft class Cousins is the one that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean the draft class class this year has been great. It's just like man, if we had a Cousins, but at twelve million, I know Judd's you said this so many times. Oh yeah. And what we'd be doing this year? Right. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be in perfect shape. Yes. Yep. Amen. Exactly. Matt, great stuff, dude. Thanks, Thanks for coming yeah. on. Hey, hey, so Foles has, according to Nagy in the postgame, a right hip slash leg injury. They're not they're not giving the exact diagnosis, but I would imagine the young man's season is done after we saw that. Yeah. And that, Mitch Trubisky's got a shoulder injury. And so they're, yeah. you know, who they're this this random dude that was out there running for his life. At Do the you know what it game. might be? Much to Randy and Cottage Grove's delight. Do you know what it might be? Dude, it's Slaughter time. Slaughter time in Chicago. Oh my gosh. It is. Bring oh it off. It is. It really is. Bring it's it. gonna it's gonna be Slaughter time for what sure if, in Chicago. What if what if he takes over his QB for the Bears and they go on some just great run? You well, know, then, then you we're know never the, gonna hear the end of it. The yeah, faction of Vikings fans are gonna be like, you idiots. <laughs> Uh, well, I think I think Mitch Trubisky, when his shoulder's right, probably gets a couple more games. But it kind of feels like 2013 with Christian Ponder, where it's like they've already made their decision on him, and they would rather literally just look at anybody else <laughs> off the waiver wire, <laughs> off the practice squad. They would just. But the problem for the Bears is they're still in the hunt to make the playoffs, so they have to still put the best quarterback out there that gives them the chance to win. So they're just in a super weird spot. He's I'm, sure, I'm sure he's available. Uh, all right, Dex, let's keep rolling here. Yeah, we got Mark. Mark, what's up, dude? Hey, Mark. How are you guys doing? Good. Good, Good. man. What's up Good. with you? Thanks for having me. Um, big fan of you guys. I, I, I listen to you guys on my car all the time on the podcast and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, a couple of things. So, first of all, big win. And I actually, um, well, I'm actually, I don't know if you guys can see. Hold on. I actually got you guys on the big oh, there you screen go. too. So. Oh my god, dude! Look at that. I think us in in high definition is probably something we should put in the. How does the beard look? No, it looks good, Judd. You look good. Fifty-one. <laughs> never been better. Okay. Um, so, a couple of things though. Big win, and I'm really, really excited and happy because the thing is, Minnesota sports has, has been awful. Okay, has been completely awful. So I bet my friend last week before this game. I said. I'll give you uh, whatever odds it is. I get a hundred bucks. You get 75 bucks. We will make the playoffs counting that Delvin cooks does not miss a game. Would okay. You guys see that bet? So if, if he stays, if he misses a game, the bet is off. Exactly. Would you guys take that bet? I don't think I can. I do. I don't think I can. I think I'm saying, I think they're going to make the playoffs now. Yeah. If he doesn't miss a game. Yeah. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. plus keep in mind. Oh, I teach them in. If COVID cancels one game, you got eight teams going, you're going to win. Just yeah. make sure make sure that, that he doesn't know about that 
So he can't kill the bet based on that. <laughs> so number two then. So can you guys remind me who we got for Stefan Diggs? Uh, well, uh, so the draft, draft pick that, that landed uh, Justin Jefferson, and then I'd have to go match up the exact draft picks because they wound up with like multiple picks in four or five different rounds. I feel like it was like a first, fourth, and a seventh or something. There was, a, few, have, there was a future in there too. Okay. Yeah. Could we have gotten the same thing for Adam Thielen? Uh, I don't think I don't think so because so. he's 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 like two or three years older. He's thirty, okay. and so and so the like the perception on Diggs was, well, the reality was he's younger, and he had more upside as potentially a top five wide receiver in the NFL, which has yeah. become true. And I think on Thielen, the Vikings were already maxing him out, and there were also maybe yeah. some injury questions with Thielen too. Um, so, in my opinion. I don't think they could have gotten the same for Adam. I was, I was just imagining this world though, where we have oh. Diggs and Jefferson <laughs> on the same squad. Dude. Diggs, but Diggs forced his way out. That's the key here. Yeah. So, right. so Diggs, uh, and it, the trade was a first, a fifth, a sixth, and a 2021 fourth oh. to the Vikings for Diggs and a seventh round pick in this past year's draft. Okay. But I mean, that that's a haul to get back. That's a great return. There, there are, when, you, yeah, when you nail the pick right away, with, when you get yeah. Justin Jefferson in the first round, um, it's, you know, it's, I mean, think back to the, when the Vikings traded Randy Moss and, a lot of it depends on, well, who do you select as the replacement? And in 2005, the Vikings whiffed on Troy Williamson, thus making that a terrible trade. And in this case, they absolutely nailed Stefan Diggs' replacement. So, Well, thanks, guys. Just want to check in with you guys. All right? Mark, Thank appreciate you, Mark. it. Appreciate showing us in the 4K picture quality there. Mackie and Judd, born for high-definition TV. <laughs> no. These beautiful no, mugs. Stop. <laughs> absolutely uh, not let's uh let's rack up one more here Dad. yeah let's wrap up with uh with keon keon what's up dude how you doing gentlemen awesome what's going on man so i just wanted to say i watch the show really enjoy the show um you guys are awesome what you do i could i want to i want to talk to judd for a second so uh bring it on her cousin how do you feel about him after tonight's game I feel good that Kirk was I, – I said this before. I think Kirk was asked to do exactly what Kirk can do well. I think I think if everyone, including the offensive coaching staff, forgets what Kirk's contract says and says, how can we best use Kirk, Kirk's good. Kirk can be successful. I think it goes haywire across the board from the coaching staff uh, to us when the coaching staff says to Kirk, we need you to basically – be the key player in tonight's game. You can't do it. But but the Dalvin, but that's why, like, we're, we're going to talk a lot about, well, you know, Cook didn't rush for for a big margin to tonight or yards. Well, that's not the important thing. That's nice. But the important thing, I think, tonight is that Dalvin Cook remained a viable threat through that entire game. Yeah. And that frees up Kirk to be Kirk. And that's good Kirk. So I actually, I applaud from Kirk to Kubiak to Zim, I applaud how he was used tonight and actually the last three games will say this. I think they found a comfort zone for what Kirk can do well. Because I think the one thing that's not fair is Kirk is not a bad quarterback. Yeah. But when Kirk is asked to play up to his salary, Kirk can't do that. And they have found a comfort zone now in three games where the ask to me is realistic for what the production can be. And tonight he was fantastic. I think Kirk, yeah, he he, he showed up tonight. Um, I don't know how consistent he can be on that, uh, especially you know in the playoffs and in big moments. I know he'll he'll Kirk things up. 
Honestly, <laughs> up, but you know, <laughs> other two things I wanted to touch on. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm happy Diggs is gone. I love Justin Jefferson. I love his attitude. I think his attitude is perfect for our team. Just you know, team camaraderie. How we decide to, you know, uh, hit. You know, you can just tell he and Thielen, they just work together. You know, and Diggs and Thielen work together in a different way. I feel like when Diggs didn't get his way, it didn't work. I feel like when Jefferson doesn't get his way, hey, man, I just want to win the game at the end of the day. And I don't feel like he's too big for his britches to be a rookie because let's be honest, it's him, CeeDee Lamb, Chase Claypool. Honestly, I feel like I've been doing a lot of defending. I'm right with Judd. I feel like Jefferson's a star, no question about it. And the fact that I feel like CD, he gets a lot of targets. He gets a lot of targets, and I don't know if he can do the same thing Jefferson can do with the little amount of opportunities. We are a run-first team. Like, that's what we are bred off of. The Cowboys, they pass first. Steelers, pass first. I mean, these different teams, these rookie wide receivers, they get so many opportunities. Jefferson is making monumental plays. You know, and it's funny, like, Third and long, Kirk just drops it in there. And Jefferson makes the play for, like, what, almost like 40, 50 yards, and he's just out of there. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah, and I got, I've got a number for you here, too, Keon and Judd and Declan. So, and it kind of proves what you're saying. When I watch Justin Jefferson, just with the eye test, yeah. even though he's only played in the NFL for two months, he looks like one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. Just the eye test. Really? Like, if, if I didn't know any better, if I didn't know he was a rookie, I'd be like, whoa, okay, that's a game-changing player. And yet on the season to this point, he's been targeted about half as many times as the top wide receivers in the NFL. Um, in fact, let's see here. Adam Thielen's been targeted 58 times to Stefan. So Stefan Diggs has been targeted over 100 times already in 10 games. And coming into tonight, God, I'm just, I'm keep scrolling down here. Um, coming into tonight, Justin Jefferson only targeted 44 times. So, so and he had 10 tonight. So 54 targets tonight after tonight puts him 48th in the NFL this season. So again, I'm not even really, do I think he should be targeted more? Yes. Is part of that because of the first couple of games where they didn't really know what they had? Yes. But if you gave this dude the 85 targets that DeAndre Hopkins has, if you gave this dude the 79 targets that Tyler Lockett has, or even like, like Tyler Boyd has 76 targets with Cincinnati, he, his numbers in terms of yardage and, everything and catches would be right up there with the top wide receivers in the NFL on a, on a per rate basis. And with the eye test, he's already a top 10 receiver. Maybe I'm being a homer, but I've watched enough football. I completely agree. I completely agree. I'm going to wrap it up and just say on my end, I completely agree. I feel like, uh, I just feel like some of these other younger talents, they're a little overrated personally. And I feel like Justin Jefferson, he's way underrated. I feel like that has a lot to do with, you know, him being in Minnesota a lot of people don't really give us a lot of credit until we make the playoffs. And then, you know, we upset the Saints. Oh, my gosh, the Vikings, you know, they're really talented, you know, and they don't understand. Zimmer is a guy, his defense gets better over time. When you give him nothing, he can turn nothing into something. And I completely agree with the gentleman that, that was talking like a couple uh, takes ago. Amazing. J- Zimmer is flat out amazing. We need to hold on to him. Go ahead and get a guy like a Zach Wilson of uh, – uh, who, who else? Uh, the guy out of Florida. Somebody that has 
you know, some pocket awareness that can move around, that can get us going. It's time for us to move on. Our team, our team is built to win. Mm-hmm. Keon, great stuff, dude. Be sure to Thanks, jump John. on again sometime later this season. All right. Absolutely appreciate it. All right. Uh, that is, uh, that's going to be a wrap for us here. I got one more thing for you. I got one more thing for you. Next three games. Okay. You got Dallas can win that. You got Carolina, Jacksonville, clean up the special teams though. Eventually the special teams is going to cost you a football game. I'm dead serious here. I mean, the the bad snaps, the Patterson, and I know he's good, but I mean, the Patterson return, the, the long punt returns, um, you got, you know, the, the last game against uh, Detroit, you had uh, two block punts. Clean up the special teams. ASAP. Mike Zimmer destroyed. Uh, remind me the name of the special Marwin team. Maloof. Yes, like he destroyed that dude on national TV. Like the cameras caught it. Make it fire tomorrow. And he just walked he up. Might. and He might fire him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he He's might. fired people before. He might fire him on the plane home. He might be firing Marwin Maloof right now, yeah. 35,000 feet above ground. He fired Flip midseason. He's hasn't he fired? Well, Norv, I guess that was kind of Norv. A, kind, we kind think of Norv, a, Norv quit. Yeah, yeah quit with that right. That right hook didn't quit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you clean up the special teams. Come on. Yeah, that was ugly tonight. It's amazing to have that many special teams blunders in two consecutive weeks and to not have it cost you a game to this point is really, really lucky. So yeah. um, remember, uh, we do this seven days a week. We we don't we don't quite do it to this level. This is our Vikings vent line level of interaction. But we do Purple Daily seven days a week. You can find us in podcast form, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com, and also youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Click that subscribe button, and we appreciate it. And check out our other podcast too, Mackie and Judd, where uh, we do things like write that down predictions. We are the only show in the country that actually keeps track of our predictions and batting averages. And so uh, if you're not checking out Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily on a regular basis, you're missing out. We appreciate everyone who has discovered our show and uh, those of you who've been listening and watching for a number of years. And that'll be a wrap on tonight's episode of Vikings Ventline, powered by Corona Hard Seltzer. Vikings win their third consecutive game, third consecutive division game as well. And Kirk Cousins, everybody, is no longer winless on Hmm. Monday Night Football. One and nine. That's right. He needs Paul Heyman to be his. My client, Kirk Cousins. Puts the one in one and nine. Oh, my God. The reigning, defending, undisputed (laughs) Monday night football messiah. He's very excited. He's very excited. He was very excited. You like that? Do you like that? (laughs) Yes. Yes. We do. All right. All right, boys. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you guys tomorrow.